the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. This is A State of Control, Episode 9, recorded Thursday, March 6th, 2014. The Glue That Binds. This is A State of Control, the control uh, and uh, automation podcast brought to you by the fine folks of Aviation. My name is Tom Albright. I'm your host, uh, that gentleman right there. His name is Steve Greenblatt, the chief everything at Control Concepts. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Great great to be back online with you. Absolutely. Uh, it has been a while, so uh, we're all kind of uh, getting getting the, in the hang of it and swing of the new year, so uh, we'll get on to it. And uh, that gentleman right there who is who's doing the Macarena, I, I think. Oh, hello there. Uh, I didn't see you. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> it's Rich Fragosa from Fragosa Design. Um, I'm just going to start calling you Digital Guru now. Uh, he did a, a project with Todd Anthony Puma, which we're actually going to talk to Todd about on uh, on AV Week this week. Uh, it was very impressive, brother. Thank you. So, Thank you. It was a, there was not a lot of sleep during that period of time, and uh, so if it wasn't for the last minute, uh, nothing would ever get done. That's, so. that's kind of how it works, though, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, yeah, not a lot of sleep, but we had a whole lot of fun. We're looking forward to um, the response. We've got a couple of things coming up, um, and so it'll be interesting. We we had a lot of fun, and, and I'm sure Todd will tell you all about it. So <laughs> I won't I won't I won't uh, uh, harsh as mellow. All right, all right. Uh, first timers here. Uh, his name is Matt Slack. He is the president of AV Solutions. Uh, he says it doesn't mean anything, so we'll just call him a conferencing room guru. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and last but not least, Dan Fulmer. Dan is the CEO of Full Tech Solutions. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Very good. Uh, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. What we're going to do today is, uh, if, you're, if you're new to a state of control, what we talk about is things to do with the control and automation industry. Um, all four of these gentlemen here and, and I myself since my recent move, this is what we do, right? This is, uh, we, we make things go. We, you, you push the buttons and, and we uh, either design or, or program or install or in some way, shape or form have something to do uh, with, with the control in the AV industry. Uh, this month on, on the State of Control, we're going to talk about the role of, of, of IT in the AV world and AV in the IT world. Uh, about a month or so ago, Microsoft made the, the big splash, and they're a platinum sponsor of Infocom now. Uh, that's a big thing. And, and actually, was, we were talking with, with some of the folks from Infocom a couple days ago and talking about you know, uh, floor space and, and how you know, everybody wants to be around it, around Microsoft now. Uh, nobody really knows the, <laughs> what they're doing at Infocom. Um, there are speculations for everything from Xbox One, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, uh, to link integration and, and some other control stuff. But Microsoft's not the only company, right? I mean, you've got people like Cisco, and you've got Google purchasing Nest and, and some other other things. Um, you've got uh, a number of other companies that are, um, that are kind of getting into this space when it comes to, to AV. Uh, so, Steve, we'll kick it off with you. As both Microsoft and a number of years, Cisco jumped in when they purchased Tan- Tanberg, and they still keep making, um, making inroads into the AV industry. 
what does this look like? I mean, what give give me kind of a you know a, a future look. What does this look like? What does the AV industry look like in, in four or five years with this influx of IT folks? Well, I think the AVIT convergence started many years ago, and I think now it's becoming real for everybody. And and I think Cisco did break the ice, as we said. And I think uh, the the inclusion of Microsoft at Infocom, but I think Google really shook the world. And and I really feel like when talking to people now about our industry and what we do we could say, hey, did you hear about this Google buying Nest thing? And a lot of people say, yeah, what was that all about? And and really, th- this is what we're all about and, and, and what what is um, the the heart of our industry in, in terms of now having, living on the network, being a part of the network, and, and, and not being so niche anymore, where we are, we are really a part of the IT industry and, and um, I think as we evolve, we're, we're going to see some things change for the better and for the worse. But but I think it, it does provide a lot of opportunity. And and you know, in, on the on the control side, I think it probably be will be affected the most. Uh, all right, Rich. Let's. Uh, Steve mentioned the good and, and bad both. What's what's maybe some good and bad both coming coming out of this? The you know what is it? It's it's that the. Um, yeah, all ships rise with the tide. Okay. Um, I mean, that's really what's going to happen is that they obviously have the marketing power. They have the name recognition where home automation has always, you know, or, or boardroom automation or anything that you want to call it at this point. It's, it's always been viewed, like Steve was saying, as a niche market. And so what we're doing is we're expanding this hopefully on just the economy of scale into finding its way into every office, into every home, um, finding ways for it to be a mass market, for there to be mass market appeal, as opposed to right now where we're in a specialty situation. I think what will happen is that the larger manufacturers will start the groundswell, um, and much like we've seen in the past, it'll start out as a great idea, and what will then happen is people will start running across um, the issues of it's not really as... uh, Perfect, perfect example. Think about plug and play, mm-hmm. the concept of plug and play. How many times have we heard that over the past decade? And how many times have we actually been able to <laughs> make it actually work as opposed to being plug and pray? Um, I think that that's the first layer that we're going to see with these manufacturers entering in right now. I think it's good for all of us. Um, it makes it a lot easier for us to explain what we do. It makes it a lot easier for us to quantify and qualify and, and price what we do. Um, as an additional service from here's where you started, maybe you weren't happy with it, now we can assess a little bit better on here's what you potentially were promised, here's where you want to be, and here's how companies like ourselves um, get them from point A to point B. So, I I mean, I I think personally it's great for the industry. Uh, For no other reason is people will understand a little bit more about what's available, uh, and at some point, um, hopefully our names come up. So kind of a it's kind of a mass marketing almost of, of of automation because of these other companies that are that already have um, name recognition in other areas. I don't even see it as automation. I see it what all these companies have done is they're making a play for information, not mm. automation. It's okay. information. It's it's all of the metrics quantifying how people use their offices, how people use their homes. Um, somebody brought up a great point a couple of, when when this whole Google Nest purchase happened is that they weren't buying necessarily in uh, um, 
a climate control manufacturer. They were buying the mind share of all of that data that they can acquire from the home. Yeah. And at some point, Nest was a competitor to Google because of all of the analytics. So in one sense, Google potentially took a competitor right off of the market for gathering all of that data and brought it all in. I mean, it was a brilliant move in that respect. Um, and that's really where I see the push more than anything else. The parts are the parts of the parts. What these companies are after, and they've always been after, is information and how they can use that information and leverage it for ads and <laughs> suggestions and, yeah. and everything else. And so the, the automation segment is, again, it's just a conduit. It's, it's the gateway drug to getting as much information they can from a metric standpoint to be able to um, – you know, really monetize the product. And, you know, fortunately, we get to go along with the ride. And I, I'm okay with that. Well, and here's the other thing. You, you mentioned the, the analytics and the information. The first time that my Android device says, hey, I noticed that you're out of milk, you might want to go get some, I might be a little freaked out. Mm -hmm. um, again, it, it's probably because I'm of a certain age that, you know, uh, I remember reading 1984 and it's still in my head. Um, but I think you're right. It, 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 they're, they're looking for information. Uh, and when I, a blog piece I, I wrote about it, that, that's exactly what I said. They're looking for data. They're not looking to take over necessarily control. So, uh, Matt, Mr. Slack, uh, let's talk about you. Let, let, let's talk about your, your point of view on this. Give me a, a kind of a, a, a futuristic, where, we, where is this going to take us in four or five years? What's AV going to look like with the influx of IT? We've been talking about AV IT integration. You know, it, it's to me, it's kind of a dead horse. It, you know, the integration happened a long time ago, and there are people who get it and embraced it and are running with it and trying to use it to shape the future. And there are people who are not. Yeah. Um, I really think that you know, if you look at disruptive innovations, they always happen from outside of an industry, and it's always the people in the industry who are like, you know, deer in the headlights. Oh, I didn't realize that was coming. So. You know, I completely agree with Richard on these companies, Apple, Google, etc.'s move towards information. But I think that there's going to be some casualties in there. Um, I think that it's a great time to be in our marketplace. But if you don't have a really clear value proposition, a way that you are making your customers' uh, lives, businesses, homes, etc., better that they cannot get from other resources, if you don't have a clear value proposition, you know, you're going to find consistent erosion, which I think is what I hear the industry complaining a lot of is that, you know, we're not making enough money, we're bidding more, et cetera, et cetera. So if there's a consistent value proposition outside of these places where there's erosion, I agree with Richard that, you know, uh, you know, tide rises and we all go up with it because it's really free marketing. But for everybody who's just kind of doing the ho-hum thing, I think that they're going to find out that they're going to continue to erode and erode as in you know, these larger companies seek quests for information, they develop low-cost technologies that basically meet the needs of the lower-end market way better than we can at the small scale that most of the companies in the integration firm are at. You, you mentioned casualties. Who do you see being a casualty uh, in, in this move? Um, I see a lot of people. Um, but like, like, like small integrators? Or are you th thinking like manufacturers being a, a, a casualty? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's everyone, I think at every level of the industry, um, commercial and residential, I think there's going to be some levels of casualties because when you can produce such low price technology 
as some of the companies we've just referred to will be able to do, those technologies potentially can meet a series of basic needs better than any of the custom type work that we can do and better than I think even some of our manufacturers have addressed. I mean, we're constantly working with our manufacturers to trying to get them to see blind spots where products don't perform, you know, as well as say just the iPhones that everybody carries. Yeah. We can't um, be in this custom niche and not begin to address some of those expectations that people have um, where their daily devices are already meeting their needs. So the people I don't see that are going to uh, wind up on the casualty list are really the end users. I think businesses, organizations, and consumers are all really going to have cheaper access to, to better automation resources. Hmm. Dan, I'm not going to definitely add. don't want to be yeah. in the video switcher industry. What? That's oh. my feeling. Is that you do not want to be in that business over the next five years. You know, anything that is uh, anything that anything that sends something other than packets, you better rethink your strategy. Well, and that's that's the thing with well, honestly why why ABB is kind of caught my attention over the last six months to a year is the fact that yes there's no v yet and and, and we can we're argue not dead yet we're not dead yet but here's the thing that's what they're doing is they're, they're sending packets and the more i learn about it the more kind of excited i am and and sad i am the fact that that i think rich is right there's going to become a day when when y'all aren't going to be putting in switchers you know it, it's just going to be these massive switches where you know everything gets packetized at the at the source level uh, Dan, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you whether or not it's good or bad because apparently it's happening regardless of whether it's good or bad. But where are we going? You know, is this is, is it where you know uh, you know uh, Matt said there might there might be some casualties and uh, you know Steve mentioned the the fact that you know um, you know a lot of these guys are are going to make you know help us all rise and and maybe make it be make us better uh, better programmers and, and better better integrators uh, along the along the way. Well, I think, yeah, I think um, one of the main things is that we'll be able to, to possibly deliver a better solution in the future via companies like Google, Cisco, Microsoft, um, using their analytics and these metrics to help uh, offset some of the programming that's needed now. In fact, some of the programming that we do now, we can't um, do certain things. In other words, logic is not human, and humans are not always logical. So you can say, oh, I want my house to do this every time I do X, but sometimes that becomes problematic. Okay, I walked in the room three times because I forgot my keys, and now this trigger made all these events happen again where I don't want that. Um, as we get more cloud-based solutions and more intelligence-based uh, computing, then they can hopefully start to use those metrics and things to start making even smarter systems that are not based just on logic that is what we're limited to use nowadays for our programming. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about the the big the, the big boys. Uh, I, I say that kind of hesitantly because the big boys in our industry aren't big compared to the ones that are that we're talking about here, right? I mean, Crestron and AMX, as much as we all know and love them, um, not exactly the size of Google, right? Not exactly the size of Microsoft. Um, Matt, how is that going to how is that going to impact? the stalwarts of, of the industry that we've all worked with over the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, some, some of us. Um, how, are, how is Google and Microsoft and these other, you know, big name IT companies, Cisco, going to impact Crestrons and AMXs and even the smaller players in, in the uh, control industry? 
I mean, I, I think it's pretty simple. It's the same thing that we see in other industries. You know, take for instance the internet coming along and you know kind of displacing the local retail. It doesn't remove the need for local retail, but it certainly caused that market to be impeded and to have to scale back. And I think that's the same thing. You know, with Crestron, AMX, etc. There's still a lot of value that they can provide. But the spaces they can provide it in are going to be smaller and more defined, um, and they'll have to fight for that value. But that value is going to remain, you know, even after we're through this this process of things kind of contracting due to technology. Yeah, uh, Rich, where's it, where's it going to leave the, the the big boys here once once Crestron and, and Microsoft get done with us? Is that to me? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, Rich, oh, where, where's sorry, you, you broke up halfway sorry. through. That's all right. Uh, where where is that going to leave us when once Microsoft and and uh, and Google um, move in? You know, I mean, Microsoft bought our two technologies, which was Blake Corian's company, almost two years ago now. Haven't heard a peep. You know, that was a huge move at the time. You know, in terms of the ripple effect, because he was going to bring some automation to the masses. You know, again, the only the 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 good news sometimes about competing with large manufacturers is that they sometimes will assess an industry that if there aren't a lot of trailing zeros behind it, they kind of shrug their shoulders and go, oh, well, yeah, we bought them. We just shut them down. Oh, well, sorry about that. Um, I, I, it really is going to depend upon what they decide to do with it. Apple's a perfect example. So the Apple TV just posted a billion dollars in sales um, just this past year. And the talk is now that it's going away from being a hobby device to potentially being a real device. AirPlay was a large reason why several of the manufacturers that we have, that we deal with, are creating these huddle space devices. Mm -hmm. It's because people wanted AirPlay. And it was easy to use and wirelessly transmitted. And so the manufacturers were finding ways to make it a little bit more commercially viable and robust and secure and dot, dot, dot. But that's an example of a device that was kind of innocuous for Apple, and and I had lots of conversations with the product team in the beginning. And Apple's review, and the reason why it was such a hobby piece initially was like, look, some of the managers were saying, and and the way that they brought it to the executives was like, look, if we can't make a hundred million on this thing, it's not worth it to us. There's just there's no reason to develop that market. And I think with Xbox and with you know Xbox One trying to invade the living room um, and trying to become a digital hearth and the information repository, again a great concept, but you know if the millennials catch on to it and they decide that we're going to deal with it that way, that's great. But again, I keep going back over and over and over. I don't think the home and the boardroom are where these battlegrounds are going to happen. It's going to be mobile. It will continue to be mobile. And these devices will be leveraged out of how they're going to connect to the mobile environment. The generation of consumers that are coming up, those are the ones that are going to be driving the market. And so I think part of it we were talking about, you know, if we're in our 40s and our 50s, we remember a time before mobile. I mean, rotary dials and the whole thing. (laughs) So we're not necessarily as enmeshed in that. My son's generation, on the other hand, is going to have a completely different paradigm that they're going to be operating from. They will be treating their businesses and their homes differently. And that's the generation that I'm looking at. How are they going to be marketed? How are those products going to work? And how are our companies going to adjust and adapt 
to a new generation of consumers. Because again, these people are going to be the product managers, they're going to be the facilities managers, these are going to be the mid-level managers who are responsible for the budgeting and for the products that go in commercially and in schools and, and, and are buying these homes. I'm not necessarily worried about this generation of, of uh, people who are the decision makers because at some point they're going to stick with what's nostalgic for them, what they know. Um, the cusp is going to be over the next five years as some of these younger adults and professionals start getting into positions of power. They have a completely different way of working with this stuff. And and for me, that's a matter of they, they just look at things ubiquitously saying, of course it's networked. Of course I don't need hardware. Of course it should be a 99-cent app. These are the things that we're actually dealing with. I'm less focused about, you know, is Microsoft going to come out with a $1,000 box that beats Crestron's $5,000 box? That's, that's not a competition at that point. That, that battle's lost. Now it becomes a question of if Microsoft develops an app that's a freemium app that for most intents and purposes can do what these manufacturers are doing for several thousand dollars and you can run it from your handheld device, that's the one I'm looking out for. You know, those are the things that I'm constantly keeping out. And and um, I think one of the the items that that Matt was bringing up was was way on target, which is, you know, the the battles for hardware are already lost. The the casualties are going to be the companies who are stuck in a 1990s or 2000 hardware centric mindset. If their focus is on the boxes that they're delivering, um, they're going to go the way of the coal salesman. Because again, the, the market is just going to completely shift around them. You know, you're like the rock in the stream. Sooner or later, the water just goes around you, yeah. and that's what we're starting to see right now. And these manufacturers, um, the larger manufacturers, the Google, the Apple, Microsoft, all of these—it's Cisco, more importantly. I mean, again, do we—you've been the one who's called it—I don't know how many times for the past two years. They still if will Cisco buy ever, somebody. Yeah, if Cisco decides to wake up, hey, look, I was wrong about Nest opening up their protocol. I, I, I would have told you up and down that they weren't going to do it. Um, I think that Google buying them probably buys us a little bit of time in our industry because Google's a little bit too big to move quickly right now. They, they just, they're not going to be as nimble. So that actually does help us as opposed to a company who, who is smaller and is more nimble. Um, so anyway, rant aside, <laughs> I, I think that um, really what we're going to see is going to be fought more on the mobile standpoint, and the, these companies are going to focus on that, leverage that first, and then if they happen to come along with boxes that can work in the house, if they if, if they can go ahead and see enough profit in it, they'll continue. Okay. Uh, Steve, uh, Rich mentioned the fact that, that, that this is going to be fought over mobile. Where, where How does that affect... Um, you and me and, and, and guys like Rich and, and, and Matt. I mean, how do we fight on mobile? Is that is this one of those things where you know the the programmers that you hide hire today and tomorrow are not just AV programmers, but they have to be you know let's start with with a, a pretty solid computer programmer and mobile programmer, and then you can teach them uh, AV. It, it's very very possible. I think think that there's going to be a lot more focus put on augmenting what, what we look at as the traditional control programming platforms and being able to add to that with, with maybe a mobile device with some type of a an IT programming language uh, and and uh, also the web I think I think the combination of those three is, is a good investment at least to, to be able to prepare yourself to 
to whatever the market is going to start to throw at you. I think part of it too is, is starting starting to think differently in terms of interface design and functionality and being able to provide a, a deliverable that is consistent with, as Rich put it, the expectations. Because if everybody is used to all of the devices performing a certain way, there's if if what we're deliver, delivering is a departure from that, whether I, well, I would say if it's better, then that's one thing. But but I would but you know if it doesn't meet up to that, I think it's going to be easily discounted and discarded. So I think that there's a challenge there for us to start to look differently, look at things differently, and may, make sure that that we're keeping up, up to par. And and I, I I'm a very big advocate of of starting to think toward this millennial generation and knowing what it is that they need and what makes them tick and and what it is that 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 they use on a day-to-day basis. I, I think that the technology is is been part of their lives forever. And and uh, what, you know, not not too long ago, we were one of the first. Uh, you know, our industry was may have been one of the first to use and and embrace a, a touchscreen. And 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 that that's just something that that's so common and mainstream these days so it so so I think that that we have we have to start to to push ourselves to do better and to and and to um, to take things step things up to the next level all right let, let's let's take this uh, wrap this around um, and talk about the next generation not just of consumers but also of, of programmers and, and Steve alluded to that as well Matt when you go out and, and you look for um, a new programmer, or maybe in a year or two, when you start looking for a new programmer, what skill set does that person have to have when 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 she or he uh, steps into your office and, and you're you're interviewing them? What are you looking for when it comes to the next generation of programmer, considering all of the the IT stuff? Yeah, so I mean, it's what we're already doing right now, and I, I don't even think it's limited to the programmer roles. But I mean, we look for people who are identifying ways to leverage the technology that exists to get more done for the clients that we serve. So, you know, when we hire a programmer, we're not going to hire an AV programmer who's used to making AV boxes work. We're going to hire somebody who gets um, what these people in our rooms and our spaces are trying to accomplish. And we made program around Apple TV. I mean, we've, we've dunked, uh, we've used a lot of the individual consumer technologies, we buy them, we consume them, we try and figure out how they work. I think that the programmers in the AV community have one of the biggest opportunities of all of the existing AV community. And the reason is, you know, integration, whether it's residential or commercial, is really like the glue that holds all the pieces together. And the problem is we're so used to delivering a lot of the pieces that we think that our role is to deliver the pieces. But that's not really the value of what we do. And so in this space where we have, you know, all these mobile devices colliding and people need to use them to collaborate or to connect to their homes, the glue becomes even more valuable. And with the frequency of change in the consumer markets and these technologies, creating a programming glue that can connect more devices faster in meaningful ways has more potential value in the marketplace than the type of AV programming that we're doing right now. So, you know, agreeing with Rich that, you know, it's going to mobile, there is a huge opportunity here. And 
think even just before this call, we had an example of it. We were trying to get live on this video and Steve called me for a quick test. And you know, what happened? Well, my computer didn't ring. My phone rang and I'm looking at him on the video on my phone going, uh, I'm going to need to call you back <laughs> from a different location. So, you know, that stuff is already out there. This isn't even a let's wait. It's out there now and connecting so many of those different pieces together to our collaboration rooms, connecting them to our home. I mean, that's the glue that programming allows us to deliver value on. And those are always the niche places that, you know, the Apples and Googles of this world are only going to address so much. You know, they're only going to address it to a certain point, at which point they'll just buy up your AV programming company that has done such a great job filling one of those niches and they'll move on. So, so it almost sounds to me like it's no longer going to be a con conversation about connectivity and communication with devices. It's more, it's going to be about the customization. And, and the, the, there may be, you know, two paths you go down. Are, are you working on development where you're, you're creating an interface to a particular device or are you working on creating a custom solution? I, I don't know, that, that kind of sounds to me like that, that's a discussion that, that is probably going to be had in the future. Well, it's going to have to be had, absolutely. Uh, something. So, go ahead. So an interesting point, So, and, and much to the chagrin, I'm going to say, of my um, educational and government and commercial compatriots, is that for the longest time, the cutting edge came from the boardroom, from the knock, from the, um, the war room, and then it filtered down into residential. And so I think that those industries, you're going to have a little bit of time because the constant argument that I keep hearing, again, from, from my peers is, well, we need it to be more secure. And, you know, you can't use an iPad here. You can't use a phone here because we're the government and we got to have a wire and, and all of these things. And I think that that will – they're going to buy themselves a little bit of time. But my feeling is, is because Microsoft, Google – Apple are consumer-driven companies, what's going to happen is that there's going to become work. And if you can't make it work, we're just going to figure it out and we don't need you. And so there is very much, and again, like Matt was talking about, the tried and true way of doing business and dealing with your customer base is going to quickly erode because the mindset is going to be more based on the individual and what the individual can do within that space as opposed to having a space that an individual needs to figure out and requiring people like us to simplify the concept. The, the, because of the cost points, again, if you can do pretty much anything you need to with a $199 tablet or a $300 phone, and we're still pushing, well, you absolutely need this $3,000 touch panel because it's quote-unquote more reliable it doesn't take much math prowess to understand after a period of time. Just buy ten of those things, and you're still ahead of the game. Yeah. And and my fear, honestly speaking, is that if you're enmeshed in the old guard style of dealing with your client base, again with the government, the giant behemoth, who you know, where you know, several of the companies, it's like, look, government shuts down, you ain't eating. Yeah. You've already seen that happen. Um, you know, or corporate or all of these other things that, that if they aren't willing, and again, this is from programmers, integrators, 
service providers, if you're not willing to accept that these companies are saying, we're going to put the power in the hands of the individual and you need to adapt to that, those companies are going to be the first ones that are going to be the casualty. That's my feeling. My side on residential, I'm dealing directly with the end user. And I, I feel that what's going to happen is we're going to see a bottom-up approach. Is the stuff that comes out of the living room, out of the kitchen, from the car. CarPlay. Yeah. Guys, think about that. If, if CarPlay catches on, um, you know, in a Ford or a Honda or a Toyota, right now it's a luxury product. But if all of a sudden iOS, which, you know, again, there's more Google and Android applications out there. I get that. But if the cachet of the iOS um, environment catches on, and again, let's just talk North America. Let's not even worry about Asia, Europe, yeah. anyplace else, right? Because again, there's six billion more people out there. We're dealing right now, I'm going to say, I'm dealing within the continental U.S. But the, you know, X hundred million of people that are here, that if that all of a sudden goes on and we see in the next five years that their car becomes a way of that they're accustomed to grabbing their information, which then goes to their phone or their tablet, and they walk into their office, and their office doesn't work the same way because, quote-unquote, it's not as reliable, heads will start rolling, guaranteed. And and that's what I see. Again, you know, you were asking earlier, it's like, what is Google and Microsoft going to do? They're going to cause that. They're going to force that conversation to happen. And companies are either going to listen or not. And the ones who listen will succeed, and the ones who don't are are living on borrowed time. All right. Uh, real quickly, you're listening to uh, A State of Control. That gentleman right there is, is Rich Fregosa. Steve Greenblatt is here, as well as Matt uh, Steck and Dan Former. And actually, we're, we're, we're going to go off a question that just happened with Dan. Uh, Dan's laptop decided to, to quit in the middle of this podcast. So Dan, we'll start with you because you emailed you emailed us a, an interesting question. Uh, if, if this is where we're going, you know, software based, soft codecs, and and, and soft uh, control systems, what what happens when your not only your laptop but your control system uh, decides it needs to uh, reboot? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's one of the things I've been concerned with all along with everybody talking about, you know, oh, cloud based home automation and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, to play devil's advocate, uh, one thing is with the telcos and the cable companies and all these kind of guys, even the Googles and the Microsoft, they're not going into your house and installing light switches. They're not going into your house installing the thermostats. They're not able to do these things without either hiring someone else or, you know, bringing in a licensed person to do that, which can cause a lot of problems for them, and it's probably not something they want to get involved in. Um, the, the other side of that is when they're doing stuff cloud-based, of course this becomes less relevant as we go into the future and the internet's not only more ubiquitous but pretty much a solid bet that it's going to work all the time, whereas we've had clients who've connected their home for 10 or 15 years, just wasn't always reliable and it wasn't always very fast. Um, now as we move forward and that gets more reliable and fast, I think the issue will be if people rely on a system outside of their home to control their home, what happens when there's a failure? Who do they call when something stops working? When you have these behemoth large companies, just think of when you call your cable company when you have a problem. How many days are you waiting for something to happen? Um, you know, our clients typically won't stand to wait more than a day at most for you to come out and fix some problem. Usually it has to do with something they do and use every day like video, audio, lights, HVAC, stuff like that. So that is one caveat we have to consider here is out of these big behemoth companies, though they're large, they're not very nimble, and usually they can't respond to individual consumer requests 
on an as-needed basis. And I think that's something that people really need to consider when you look at these systems and these companies being as large as they are. They can offer a lot, but at the same time, there's a lot you're going to miss out on. It's personalized uh, service, um, you know, the ability to interact with your vendor uh, on a, you know, as-needed basis. That pretty much will go away, I think. So how are they going to manage that kind of thing? Can I play devil's advocate on that one? Sure. Go, go, go. So, Dan... Dan, Dan, you and I have actually, residentially, we have very similar client bases. Right. Um, Microsoft isn't necessarily marketing to your and my client. Our right. client sees the value. Our client will hire an architect. Our client will hire an interior designer. Our client will hire professionals because they see the value of it because there is lost opportunity cost for them to be away from doing what earns them significant income. Microsoft and Google and Apple, and they'll take them happily. But they're not focused on them. They're focused right. on you know the other 99% of the homes and, and businesses in America who don't who who don't necessarily seek out that type of solution. Everybody would love to buy a Mercedes and get the personalized service of taking it to the Mercedes dealership. Can't say that they don't. But a lot of people can only afford to buy a Honda or a Kia, and they live with the drawbacks that come back with a Honda or Kia. So again, the general populace, you know, they've come accustomed to rebooting their phone, rebooting their computer, their cable going out, making a call, and knowing that it's going to be service call between 12 and 6. The general populace will accept it. They may not like it, but they'll accept it because they're only paying maybe $69 a month. That's a far different cry than somebody that's paying me X amount that occur at that point. So, again, it becomes a matter of looking at our niche market, and I think our niche market will always be there. There's, there's always going to be room for the niche. There's always going to be somebody who's looking for more. But the bigger concern is how are we going to deal with, if we want to deal with it, the other people who are saying, I don't really need all of that, and is that a legitimate business model? Some companies will, some people don't. If you're on the high end, you're always going to find the high end. If you're on the middle to low end, then you've got to start really thinking about what, how you're going to approach this. Well, well, I agree, absolutely. I think um, you know, one, one point you bring up is something that we've thought of for a while. I mean, I agree. The, the high end is going to be there. I think it's always going to be there. You're always going to have people who want the Ferraris and the Porsches and the specialty vehicles and the specialty systems. That's always going to be there. I think the big shakeup in our market now is between the DIY the low-end starter systems, the cable code, telco type systems, and the middle market, which has kind of been non-existent. I mean, we either had low-end or we had high-end custom, and we all tried to divvy up our stuff to get into that middle market. But I think the middle market is really what's going to get shaken up here. And, you know, that's kind of one of the topics here is trying to figure out which way that's going to go and, you know, assist us as business people and consumers as consumers and how to figure out which way, which direction to take going forward. Well, and Matt, let, let's kick that to you. Who takes care of the middle market? I mean, is is that like like Rich said, is that a viable business model? No, I mean, um, <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, it's yeah. barely a viable business. And thank model. you for playing. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's barely a, a viable business model right now. And as the erosion continues, I mean, no. You know, the reason why Google, Apple, Microsoft, et cetera, are going after uh, or are eroding our markets is because we just happen to kind of be in the way of the consumers. 
and whether those are business consumers or you know personal consumers doesn't really make a difference. But our economy is seventy percent personal consumption. Seventy percent of all the dollars spent each year is you and me and everybody else just buying stuff from each other. So if they're going to make find an opportunity where they're going to make money, they're going to have to introduce a lower cost technology at the bottom that you know fulfills somebody's dream of what they've been trying to accomplish but couldn't and in doing so we're just kind of in the way but you know as Dan was mentioning there's always going to be a top-end market there's always going to be a level where there's need for glue to tie these individual unique um, consumer driven whether it's business or personal consumer driven technologies together and that's our spot but it, it comes back to we can no longer and should no longer look at this as I'm the AV guy and I plug your stuff in and make it work together we have to identify what our firm who our firm serves very specifically and what we do for them that they cannot get elsewhere very specifically and when we clarify that value proposition then as long as it's not in the direct path of Google Apple or Microsoft we'll be able to tweak it over time to continue to have a market that has money that will pay us for something that they want and need. And it's pretty much that simple, you know, going back to the programmers. For the programmers, it's not just making an AV system work anymore. It's making the collection of their technologies work in a preferred manner that they can't get anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, uh, wrapping up here, let me ask all four of you uh, one quick question, and, and, and uh, Steve, we'll start with you on this. If you are an integrator, if you are an independent programmer, if you are you know anywhere in this industry, what advice would you give to these people uh, to prepare uh, for this changeover, for, to, hmm. to prepare for the next couple of years? Certainly sharpen up your networking skills, uh, but, but also start to, to look beyond what you've been currently doing and what's been getting you by and, and think of what it what it is that you can do to, to wow people and to, to add more value to be more custom um, on the other side you know one of the things I was thinking about is so so <clears throat> Apple and Android provided you with the provided everybody with this platform to be able to develop apps so is there going to be such a thing are as apps for AV and maybe the the much of the hardware and the, the basic functionality will be plug and play, but but there may be opportunities to be able to piggyback onto the, this new platform. And may, it's very possible because, say, look at uh, Crestron right now has an app market. I think you know AMX may be thinking along those same lines. And Control Four does it as well. There may be some ways instead of selling the this fully custom system. That you sell custom pieces that the the end user or the or or another party used to put together their 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 preferred system, but, but we may not be involved in that part of things. So just 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 a, just a thought. Good thought, Dan. How do you uh, what, what advice would you give an, an integrator or somebody in the industry uh, to prepare for the next few years? Well, I think definitely everybody's mentioned today that um, you know the IT and, and AV centricity happened years ago. Uh, my background is computer science and engineering, so we've always been pretty IT centric. I think I think that's critical. Any company moving forward, if you don't have um, a good handle on TCP/IP and the basics of 
you know, handling, setting up, configuring a network, including port forwarding and all that kind of stuff, you're going to have a lot of trouble going forward. Um, I mean, the other thing is really, you know, learn how to investigate and study your products, vendors, and manufacturers. Um, one of the things I've always said to my clients is I spend a lot of time picking my products and vendors because I can only back you, my client, as well as my vendor backs me. Uh, if that manufacturer, if I choose wrong and that manufacturer goes out of business in one or two years, you know, be it a large super conglomerate company who decides because they're a publicly held company they want to shift their product um, to go one way or another or they just didn't have the funding and went out of business, there's nothing that I as a dealer can do for that client any longer. There's no product support, there's no software support, there's none of that. So I think, you know, learn how to investigate what you're going to sell to your clients on a professional basis and really take a good hard look at the things that you are selling because that can really bite you in the butt. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Not, not, something I hadn't thought of before. Uh, Matt, what, uh, how, how are you going to prepare for the next few years, or how would you suggest someone prepare? Yeah, it's, it's digging in with your customers to identify who's going to have money for what needs that you can provide that aren't going to be provided for in another direction, and building a solid, simple business model around that. Um, I think we've often kind of operate by chance rather than stopping and mapping out you know, our margins, the cost of doing business, just some basic things. There's lots of help for businesses in the entrepreneurial community, even in the AV community with NSCA, and, and then each other. You know, we're, we're all out there to help make sure our industry and our customers and each other are a success. And basic business modeling around the right future opportunity will pretty much get you there. All right, Mr. Fergoza, you've got the last word. Uh, what? Uh, as usual. As usual. What? Uh, what? What advice uh, would you give uh, give someone as they prepare for the next few years? Take the time to look at the ugly side of your business. Hmm. Be brutally honest with where your company sucks and where your company does well. Um, have the courage to be vicious. With your, um, with how your business is structured, and be prepared if need be, to radically change it if, after you honestly assess it, you can't necessarily see where you're going to make money because the way that you made money may not be the way that you're gonna make money. And 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 I think Matt's right on the ball with it. You know, he was talking about it. Leverage your resources. You're you're not competing with AV integrators anymore. You know, we're, we're, we are not in com competition with one another. That's, if you think that's your competition, you are absolutely going to go out of business because that is not, those are not the advancing hordes <laughs> um, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are coming over, over your gate. Um, again, it's where it's going to come back to is, is looking at the IT manager, looking at these products that are coming in from these other manufacturers that's really where you're going to be facing all of your objections and trying to find your pricing from. Um, and as long as you're willing to accept that the way you did business is not the way you can continue to do business and like honestly believe it as a CEO, as a business owner, as uh, part of the executive team of a company, um, you know, ego is a tough thing. And especially in this industry, <laughs> you know. It really is. I mean, it, that's that's the elephant in the room. There's a lot of egos in this in this business, and you got to set aside the ego and your personal sense of what should be happening, and look at the fiscal sense of what should be happening. And that's a fine line in this industry because a lot of people started out as mom and pop operations, 
they started out from the engineering side or the installation side or you know they didn't come from a business background so your emotions can be a whole lot more vested and it's time to grow up as an industry and it's time to grow up as business owners good words very good words all of you thank you very much all right that's all the time we have uh, for for this instance of state of control uh with us as always mr steve greenblatt chief everything at control concepts where can people find you sir uh, <clears throat> online at, at, at Steve Greenblatt on Twitter. Um, do a little bit of uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, other sort of uh, Google Plus as well. So uh, try to try to stay active as much as possible. All right. Also, Mr. Rich Fergosa from Fergosa Design. How can people find you, sir? Um, Twitter at rfregosa. You can find me on my website, fregosadesign.com. Uh, you can occasionally, although not recently, see me on uh, cepro.com as a contributing blogger and potentially making an appearance this summer in June um, uh, doing some coverage for a, a, a show that uh, a company with E in their name doesn't attend. Oh, you're <laughs> kidding me. We gotta talk. <laughs> I had to get it in. Come on. Oh, it's, it's always... Um, but yeah, you can find me on the Facebooks and uh, Google Plus and uh, pretty much all the social media outlets out there. And a couple of things coming up in some of the uh, trade publications, some cool pictures of my stuff. Just for the record, I, I've known Rich for three years now, and he keeps saying he's going to make it to Infocom, and I've still yet to I meet know. the guy in person. So I know. <laughs> now, now on, Hope on springs the, eternal. On, on the other side of that, I could get my butt to Cedia or CES, where he's been. So, I mean, that's it's not all on Mr. Fergosa, so... Uh, and Matt Slack. Matt is from AV Solutions. He's also the president. Uh, where can people find you, sir? Uh, AVSolutions.com. There's contact information there, and they can find me on Google Plus and all the other great spaces as well. All right. Uh, and I don't know if, if, if we, Dan, are you there yet? I'm there, back. There, he's back again. His back, back, Never mind. Back to a Microsoft-based automation system, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Dan is uh, Dan is the CEO of Full Tech Solutions. Uh, where can people find you, sir? Uh, FullTechSolutions.com, that's with one L. And I'm also the vice chair of the CEA's Tech Home Board. Um, I'm on the CE Pro a lot and uh, as an expert on electronic house occasionally. Oh, very good. Very good. All right. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter, but go by the website. The folks that do it make uh, have, have done a fine job and work very hard on it. Um, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You'll find this program, uh, our weekly show, which is called AV Week, and a host of others. Uh, if you go in there right now, there are uh, a number of specials that we recorded at uh, NSCA's BLC. Uh, and one of them has uh, has Mr. Uh, Mr. Greenblatt on it. So uh, so check that out if you would please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. This has been a State of Control.